different points of view and highs and lows a new perspective everywhere you go open up your mind drown out the noise and see if this connected and see if this connected what's up fam and welcome to another episode of this connected Now, I want to say again, the mission of this Connected Podcast is to connect generations and situations about faith, life, and whatever comes along the way. To not necessarily agree, but be listened to. These conversations, again, share the different perspectives of me and my guests. You, of course, are welcome to always agree or even disagree. But as always, we pray that it is done in charity. So again, welcome. And friends, fam. I want to introduce my guest today, which is going to be a really great topic because our topic today is tattoos and faith. And obviously, you guys can see Marley if you guys are listening to this on an audio podcast. You can't see Marley, so look at the thumbnail because her picture is on there. But Marley is a Catholic single mom studying theology and Christian studies at CBU, Cal Baptist University. Shout out to CBU. Uh, she's a musician. She's a minister, and she is in love with all things pertaining to art. She's also a survivor of domestic violence. And so that's going to be completely our topic for this podcast, fam, is it's going to be a Marley show. Not Bob Marley, but Marley Murrieta. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Marley. Thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm still very nervous. (laughs) Marley actually said that she is so ordinary and boring. And just looking at you and hearing you, you are not boring. You are not boring (laughs) at all. So we're going to talk about you and some of the things we're talking about, tattoos and faith. And first of all, what struck me, and I never knew your last name. I was always like Marley. Marley. And then you're like, oh, yeah, Marley Marietta. And I'm like, Marietta. It's like, are you related to anyone who's like that city was named after? And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Joaquin. Actually, it was Joaquin Marietta was my my granddad and my cousins. They used to always tell us the story of Joaquin and like the gang and how the city was named after our last name because of the gang that was there. And he was like an outlaw and all this other stuff. <laughs> so I kind of always knew. Which which uh, which made this podcast so much more interesting because I am a huge, huge fan of, of the movie Zorro and even the black and white movies that was in the past of Zorro. Um, he was kind of like the, the Robin Hood of the Southwest in California. And that, for, for you guys who are listening, that whole thing with Zorro, you know, Antonio Banderas and things like that, but that whole thing was based on the life of Joaquin Murrieta, who was, you know, he in the 1850s, 1860s, I believe, when right before the, the California became a state, he, you know, if you know California history, they had these ranches and things like this. And the the Mexican people were already here, and what happened was when the California became a state. Well, the the uh, white Europeans and Americans came, and they took literally took 
by force the property and took the rights away from the local um, people, the Californios. And that's the story of Joaquin Murrieta. His wife, a young wife, was raped in front of him and they horsewhipped him. And he saw how the, the Mexicans were being treated. And that whole story with, with what's going on now with racism and things like that just inspired me to just talk a little bit about him because although it's deemed that he was a bandit, he was a Robin Hood. You know, he stole from people. He, you know, he killed people. I'm not purporting that people should do that. But then he <laughs> yeah, gave, probably not. <laughs> yeah, he gave to to the poor, and it actually gave, you know, the locals who was fearing, who were fearing for their life, and it stopped, you know, the 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 Americans from harassing the the local native Mexicans and people. So, look up the story of of Joaquin Murrieta, and and that's Marley's, uh, you know, ancestry, uh, right there, and the city of Murrieta, down. Um, the border of San Bernardino and and um, San Diego, um, just uh, you know, it was it was like there was nothing there until like the eighties and nineties when people started popping up houses. But now it's huge. Now it's nice. I'm like, I'm considering moving over there. I'm like, wow, it's really nice over here. When I go out there for random reasons or go through it, you know, I'm like, oh man, this is like. I remember even when I was younger, it used to be like mostly dirt out there and. Now there's like shopping centers and, you know, strip malls and just everything out there. It's crazy. Right. So you guys look that up. Look up Joaquin Murrieta and look up um, the city of Murrieta and, and you'll see a little bit of history going on right there. Um, but we're not here to talk about Joaquin. We're here to talk <laughs> about Marley. So Marley, tell us a little bit something about you. Something about me. Um. What do you want to know? <laughs> no. where, where were you born? I was born in San Bernardino. San Bernardino, California. local yeah. girl, local San yeah. Bernardino, and then uh, and you grew up all your life in, in that neighbor in this neighborhood, and right. So um, I'm uh, middle, like upper middle class, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've I've moved all around San Bernardino before it got bad. We would move to a nicer area, like middle class where it wasn't so bad and just kind of move all around San Bernardino. Um, but yeah, I, I've met a lot of people here and I never really wanted to leave. Um, when I was little, I used to always tell myself like all my family's here, you know, this is my city. These are my people. And it has like a bad reputation, but for me, like this is home. So like, I never really planned on leaving. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause people always say it's San Bernardino, San Bernardino. Um, <laughs> yeah. But there are very nice parts of San, Bern- San Bernardino. You know, there there are some really beautiful parts of San Bernardino, and it has a rich history. So, how was it like growing up? You know, where you were at. Um, it was actually really nice. I, I mean, where I initially grew up um, was a little bit on the poor end. Um, I lived over um, kind of by downtown area ish, um, kind of by San Bernardino High School in that area. And, um, then like by the time I hit seven, I was put in private school and I was taken to the other side of town. So I didn't really get much of that, like humble beginning, I guess (laughs) I was put right, right into like the nice lifestyle. My older brother, um, grew up kind of in the hood, I guess. But, um, but for me per se, I mean, I was very lucky 
to have experienced life uh, in private school and with church and with a great working mom. She was a single mom for a long time and then she remarried. Um, So, yeah, I mean, she gave us everything. I couldn't complain. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you said, you know, church was important. Was it always important? Was it always part of your life uh, growing up or were there lapses? Um. So when I was growing up, I think my mom, um, she always tried. Well, I know my mom always tried to put us in private school, but she couldn't really afford it until, like I said, I was like seven or eight years old. And then she put me in private school and she put my brother in private school. Um, But she would take us to church on Sundays when she could. um, But she wasn't really like a gung-ho Catholic. She kind of just knew uh, that she needed church and found her peace there. And so she would try to drag us along to go to church, but she would, there was a lot of pinching going on in the pews, uh, when we were younger, my brother, my older brother and I, we would just, we would always laugh about something in church or not pay attention. And my mom would just pinch us. And I mean, it would turn into a big stress thing for her. And so (laughs) I don't think she enjoyed church with us very much when we were younger. Um, but once I was put in private school and I started being taught like what it was, then I was like, Oh, like a light switch went off and I'm like, Oh, this is super important what we're doing here. Um, that's God like on the table up there. Like maybe I should not be goofing off and making fun of people because he's right there. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't think she enjoyed it very much with us before then at all. And, And now faith has always been important in your mom's life. Um, you know, like me growing up, Faith was always important to our mom's lives, but it was necessarily, you know, it wasn't of great importance in our lives. And and with me personally, I, I got into that high school stage of rebellion. Was that also something that you ended up going into? You started rebelling or were you always really good? I was the good seed. <laughs> I know it doesn't look like it now. Um, with all my tattoos, I get neg- negative, um, I guess, stereotypes. But I was a good choir girl. Um, I was put in choir when I was seven seven years old, right when I went into private school. And I stayed in choir um, until I went into college. And then I actually got a music scholarship for choir. So I stayed in, in choir my whole life. And that connected me to my church. And I was a youth minister when I wasn't supposed to be when I was in high school. Um, and then I got confirmed and then I could be like a youth minister officially. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was very, I actually am the reason why my mom doesn't like to admit this, but when I got my license, I used to go to the church like three or four days a week to go and just help like whatever I could. And that's where I would be driving mostly from home school and then church. And, um, my, I'm the reason my mom actually started going back to mass because I would sing on Sundays. And so I would be like, mom, can you please come to mass? Like I got, I get to do the responsorial Psalm now, or mom, I get to do, um, you know, like I get to do like the hallelujah, like, can you come to church and just hear me, hear me sing, you know? And so then she started coming a lot more every Sunday, like every single Sunday. So I actually brought my mom back into like the rhythm of going to church again. when I got older. See that, that is super cool. That is super cool story. You know that that you know you were in high school. You you were involved. Now, how did you get involved? Um, I think uh, when I was a little girl, um, I felt like I was called to become a nun really early on um, when I was put into private school, and I felt very close to God right away, and I felt safe in the church, and so. 
because of that, I became friends with the nuns that used to be at my school. <laughs> and I would just ask them questions um, because they used to call me like a questioner, like, oh, Marley, you're just a questioner. But I had a lot of questions and I felt like these nuns just knew everything. So I would constantly come up with new questions for them. And then um, they would answer them for me. So I don't know. I guess the nuns got me involved and then music. Um, I met Miss Kathleen when I was about in fourth or fifth grade and she would just take me. She would just take me to church and like, sing this, sing this. And oh, we're going to sing. And then I hit high school and she was like, oh, we're going to go sing at this church. And they're setting up youth ministry in this city. Like, will you come with us? And oh, we're going to sing at at, uh, youth day. And we want you to sing for youth day when I was in high school. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I just kept saying, yes, like, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Um, And that made me go a lot of different places um, with different people. So yeah. And then after (laughs) high school? And then after high school, um, I ended up in a really bad relationship um, and it kind of pulled me away from the church. So I had a moment where, where um, like my faith was like almost like tried to be taken from me um, and kind of just like beaten out of me uh, for a couple of years. Um, So that actually pulled me away from the church um, when I hit like college, like my first year of college. So yeah, I was really bad. (laughs) You went through, you went through trials there. Um, yeah. And you're out of that, right? Oh, yeah. Um, oh. I, yeah, I, I got married um, when I was 19. And that was because um, I was pregnant with my daughter when I was 19. So then we tried to do the right thing and get married. And it was just a bad decision from the jump. Um, my family didn't get along with his family. Um, he was Caucasian and my family's obviously like very Hispanic. And so <laughs> our families just didn't mesh well. And his family was like, not, they didn't want me to be a part of their family. They were very hesitant toward me, like even when we were dating and they didn't really feel comfortable with me in their house. And it was just really, really like awkwardness, like on both family ends. And it was just a very awkward relationship all all together. I think that they all knew something was off and I had bruises on me all the time. So my mom definitely knew that something wasn't right. Um, So yeah. And then I got divorced um, in 2017, it was finalized, but I had to have a judge sign it off after a year of waiting because he wouldn't sign. So it was really bad. <laughs> it was really bad. Well, I'm glad you're out. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> and things are more positive and you're back in the flow of singing again. Yes. Um, so I, I get to sing again. I went back to, um, I dropped out of Cal Baptist when I had my daughter and I was actually the first pregnant person to be in choir. I was still in choir when I was pregnant with my daughter and she would kick me in the stomach when, um, cause I was in the big choir with the orchestra. I was in UCO cause I had a, a huge scholarship. So they, they put me in as many choirs as I could, I guess, to get their money's worth out of me. And, um, I didn't want to quit. And so I was in, in orchestra with the orchestra and singing my daughter would kick me um when we would sing with the orchestra and she loved when they would play like as soon as the the guitar or the drum would start boom boom she would just kick me and it would hurt and it would like sometimes knock the air out of me because I was very pregnant up there singing in choir for hours so um yeah I got the opportunity to go back and they told me I could come back at any point um and have my scholarship back and I took up their offer six years later and I was like no I want my music scholarship back I want to come back to school like please <laughs> and they actually gave me my scholarship back that's they beautiful told me I could come back. and so, yeah. and are you still taking up music or what are you doing now what are you studying no, I 
music is more of a vocation, I think. I'm called to music, um, but so is theology, and I feel called to study that, and that's what I'm studying. I used to be a music major when I was younger, um, but now I just feel like God's asking me to evolve from the Pokemon I was into a better Pokemon, and uh, <laughs> he's taken me into this journey of theology and Christian studies, and I'm saying yes, and I'm not saying no anymore because <laughs> because I saw what happened when I said no. <laughs> she is morphing. So, so you're still singing. You're studying theology. Um, who's your favorite theologian? Oh, Saint Augustine for sure. What my patron saint? I love Saint Augustine. Why? He's my favorite. Um, when I was learning Latin, I actually translated a lot of his works um, and Catullus, but Catullus is just like a soap opera. I'll never translate him again. Um, but I actually translated St. Augustine and I don't know, just like his poetry is just so controversial because of the way that people interpret it. It means different things to different people. But to me, I just understood. I'm like, okay, this guy's had a really rocky life. Um, he knows what it feels like to have a complete heart change. And I feel like that's where you're relationship with God really starts is when you you say yeah you are first in my life and and I give you my heart and I that didn't happen for me I would say until like this last year like in January of this last year that's when that happened for me and I, I don't know I went back and I started retranslating him last year and it just made like something clicked and it just made more sense to me like a lot of his work and so now like I don't know I wear him all the time on my wrist I have this little thingy on my my oh. bracelet and um i don't know i just i have a brother who uh suffers from schizophrenia and um he's been off and on drugs uh for the past couple of years i want to say like 13 years my older brother and um i don't know his saint augustine story reminds me of my brother a lot too so i always ask him to pray for my brother a lot and i think about what my brother could be um, so yeah, I think that's why I like him too. Well, let, let's rephrase that. What your brother will be. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's more, you know, when we say what he could be, that we, we kind of, kind of give up and say, well, this is what he could be instead of what yeah. he will be. So we have that positive. We'll pray for, for your brother to St. Augustine and all the other patron saints, especially my patron St. Augustine. Sinner to Saint. Hello. But anyways. <laughs> So we're going to get into that nitty-gritty of what this podcast is about, tattoos and faith. So obviously, Marley, we could see that you have many tattoos. I'm not going to show mine because it's covered. <laughs> is it like on your stomach or is it no, it's on my, arm? It's on my lower – no, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> it's, on, it's on my arm. It was one of those college um, pranks that, um, you know, and – uh, maybe uh, revealing a little too much about myself, but when you when you have friends in college and and you 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 um you you go somewhere and then you wake up with a tattoo, that's what happens. At least they asked me about my my whole theory on on if I was going to have a tattoo, this is what it would mean. And you wake up and it's like, there it is. They drew it, it for is. you. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> gee, thanks. So, you can cross it off the bucket list, you know. Yeah, just say <laughs> that you never should fall asleep in front of my um, my buddies. Um, <laughs> uh, let me say, never pass out in front of your buddies. Uh, but you, 
Marley, how how did you get started? I mean, what, how old were you when you first had your first tattoo? Um, my mom took me when I was eighteen. Wait, 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 wait. Your mom took. Your mom brought you. See, we're we're breaking grounds here. People are like listening to this and like. <gasps> <laughs> I just outed my mom. She like works for our <laughs> church. <laughs> Yeah, well, my mom has tattoos as well, yeah. but she doesn't have as many as me. <laughs> so your mom, your mom brought you. Mm-hmm. How did that conversation start out? Did you like? Did your mom go, "Hey, Marley, you're 18. Let's get you a tattoo," or did you go, "It's like, hey, mom, I'm 18. Can I get a tattoo?" I wish my mom was cool and told me, "Let's go get a tattoo." I might do that with my daughter because I mean, she's come to tattoo appointments with me and she knows it hurts. So I mean, I don't think she wants any. Um, but when I turned seventeen, um, I went to my mom and I said, "Hey, like I've been really wanting this tattoo, and maybe when I'm eighteen, you can take me." Because I already knew my mom. Like I knew she was going to tell me no. I was, and I was still in high school when I was eighteen. I was a senior, so. Um, and then I, I like kind of like knew if I just put the idea, if I just plant the idea in her head, like give her some time to think about it, then she'll come around. And so she actually told me, um, which I was really shocked. Okay, you're 17 now. When you're 18, if you still want this tattoo, I will take you and I will pay for it for your birthday. And I said, okay. And she said, but don't go behind my back because if you do, then you'll be in a lot of trouble. And so I said, okay. So I waited. <laughs> I was also scared of my mother. So I waited. <laughs> Um, and on my 18th birthday, she took me and I got it, um, my first tattoo, um, it's the cover of the giving tree on my side. Um, and she didn't think I was going to do it. They quoted her and they asked me, Hey, you want to do this right now? And I said, absolutely. And she sat down and she didn't think I was going to sit through the whole thing, but I did. How long did it take? (laughs) Um, it took about two and a half hours. And then I went back and they like retouched it without her. Um, but yeah, the first time she didn't think I was going to do it. So she was just shocked that I was sitting through it and I had a high pain tolerance. That's wow. when we both knew that I had a high pain tolerance. That We both figured that out that day. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And so how many tattoos do you have now? Um, I don't know. When I was younger... I don't know. Um, when I was younger, I, I wanted one for each year of life. Um, so I stopped counting when I hit that number. I said I was going to have one for each year of life when I was 21. Um, but after I hit 21, I just kept going. Um, so I'm probably well in like the 40s now or something like that. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> terrible. That's a lot of pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the reason why I kept getting them too um, – my mom took me that first time and she goes, Oh no, it's in a spot. Nobody can see like, and she loved the reason why I got it and she was okay with it. Um, but then I started, um, dating this guy who I ended up marrying, um, who started being very abusive. And then I, I moved in with him and we lived down the street from a tattoo shop. So what what he would do is (laughs) he would get into fights with me and he would leave. And so, um, what I started doing was when we would get into fights, I would leave and I would go down the street to the tattoo shop and I would get tattooed. And um, I felt safe there. I, I made friends there and um, I would go without him. And I just felt like he couldn't, he wasn't allowed in there. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a safe haven. And I became friends with artists. And that's how I ended up with just a bunch of random tattoos as well. So. It was your retreat place. 
Yeah. So would you say that when you got your tattoo was was it was it feeling like you were getting closer to God or was it just you know God wasn't existent at that time? Yeah, um, I have prayed during every single one of my tattoos because they hurt. <laughs> and I give my pain to, I usually say, it, <clears throat> I, I offer this pain for the souls in purgatory. And I say a rosary during them in my mind, sometimes out loud too, but in my mind. And um, I felt like at the time where I was getting a lot of them, I was in a lot of pain. Um, and I felt like, oh, he's not going to take my relationship from God away from me. And I'm going to take back my body and my ownership of my body by putting things that I feel protect me on me. And so I have a lot of uh, religious things tattooed on me, um, on my arms, on my legs. I mean, wherever he could bruise me, I would tattoo something holy there <laughs> on purpose because it was like protection and uh, ownership of myself. And so and that I belonged to God. And so I don't know. Um, I think it was like a lot of different things. But, yeah, I just. I was like, oh, you're not going to hurt me. I'll go get tattooed, <laughs> kind of a thing. <laughs> well, you're, you're like a human iconography. Um, <laughs> but let, let me, you know, the reason why I asked you early on, it's like, um, you, you know, were you involved in church or were you, you know, um, when did you first get tattoos? Because I wanted to to let our listeners know that this person was very much into church and very much into faith. But why did she get tattoos? Because I think a lot of times uh, when people see someone who's all tatted up, that they must not be in the right place. Uh, they might not be. They must not be uh, in love with Christ. Because I'm just going to read what most people will say and what people will cite in Scripture. And you probably know what that the Scripture is. In the yeah. Old Testament, it's just Leviticus and the laws of Leviticus. And yes. <laughs> I, I have to read this because we do have listeners who, you know, when, when I did a poll, the majority of our listeners didn't have issues with tattoos. And the majority of our listeners did say, I'd get a tattoo. But that was not the same when I was growing up. Because I remember when, you know, and I was, you know, when I went back home from college, you know, I was 21, 22, and I hid my tattoo from my mom and and because it was like, you know, it's the fear of, of mom um, because mom would say, you know, she would cite the scripture that this is the temple of God and you should not desecrate it. And, you know, aside from you didn't want to hear the lecture from mom, you also didn't want to get hit. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. So, you know, wear long sleeve shirts. So in Leviticus chapter, you know, chapter 19, verse 28, it, it reads, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh on account of the dead or tattoo any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Now, that's one of the ritual and moral um, things in chapter 19 in the book of Leviticus. And obviously, you've heard that many a times. So when when people come at you and they look at you and you, you're a person who goes to church and and I remember we had this discussion uh, a, a while back that you know when you went to mass um, you 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 didn't show your tattoos because for obvious reasons there are people who will judge you um, um, because you have tattoos and I think that's that's completely wrong I mean have you experienced have you experienced that when you're walking around, uh, people look at you as not very holy? Oh, yeah, uh, a lot. Um, 
especially in church. And it's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad what happens in church um, because I can't always cover my arms. I mean, especially during the summertime, it gets hot in our little church. And I don't know. I don't always want to wear a cardigan, even though I have like every color cardigan um, to hide them. But it was like the reason that my tattoos are on my body was, like I said, for my own protection at the time. And they're just reminders of all the battles that I, I fought for years. And I don't know. They're not bad to me. They're not bad to me. And I don't regret any of them. Um, but I have the one thing I have encountered a lot of um, is just like with dating. A lot of guys will objectify me or think, I guess, like bad things about me because I have so many tattoos. I've had one guy um, who was talking to me actually tell me he could never bring me home um, to meet his family because I have so many tattoos that uh, I would never be brought home. Um, so, I mean, I've heard a, a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of things. Um, so dating has been very hard with all my tattoos, but that's not something I'm, I'm super focused on. So I don't mind it, but yeah. There's so a lot of they objectify you and they stereotype you as, as what? As, a person who's easy? Yeah, um, somebody who's easy or um, a bad influence. Um, somebody who has, I guess, a lot of vices. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Completely opposite of who I am. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people don't even, they would never guess that I've studied theology or that I'm involved in my church, mm -hmm. I guess. <laughs> well, I, I know for a fact that you're addicted to roller skating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love skating or falling. falling. <laughs> yeah, it's like every every single um, every single um, reel that you have is you falling. <laughs> yeah. So one of these days you're gonna post something that actually has you not falling. Yes, eventually we'll get there. But I think it's pretty funny to watch me fall. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it is pretty funny. Yeah, I, I was showing my daughter, you know, you you know, on your reel where you fell, and she's like, the reaction is like, oh. <laughs> and then the next the next reel is is the same thing it's falling it's like oh it's like, it's like hey you need to give up but anyways <laughs> anyways uh what, what was what what would what has been your response to like the people who've who commented on your tattoos at, at church and people who who prejudge you as as a person who is not living a life of holiness um, well, a lot of times when I get that quote from the book of Leviticus, there's also a quote, I believe in the book of Numbers, um, where, you know, they, the people of Israel were asked to mark their firstborns on their forehead and on their hands. With a, and, huh? With a, with a what? With a T. Yeah, with a T. So it's like, how do they do that? They obviously tattooed themselves or they marked themselves or they branded themselves. So they had tattoos in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, I, I think a lot of things in the Bible are misinterpreted. So, I mean, it's all supposed to be love. If you're following Christ, then you're supposed to be loving people. And if you're judging people, you're not necessarily loving them. So maybe that's something you got to work on. You know, it's, it's something you got to work on. That's what I tell people. You know what? I thank you, but <laughs> I love me and I love you. And you know what? I, that's between you and God. <laughs> I think I think a really good response to to someone um, who's struggling with with um, with seeing people with tattoos. Um, again, I have to say that that we have listeners who are very adamant about not 
not having tattoos or not getting tattoos or for people not getting tattoos. And I think that's coming from, I think in some ways that's coming from, from a point of love. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I always look at and that's what I always hope at, that it's, it's not coming from, from a heart of condemnation because I think we should be past that. So if it's coming from a point of view of love, then we can start there because then it's starting from a belief in Christ who is love. And I love this explanation that I was reading. And it said that this verse in Leviticus 19, verse 28, this verse is not binding on Christians. It's an old Levitical law of the Jews. It's not binding because this was part of a ceremonial law. It's part of a ceremonial law, and those ceremonial laws are not binding on Christians unless it's a moral law. Now, if you're going about, if Marley's going about enforcing her daughter to get tattoos and tattooing her daughter, now that's immoral. No, we can't do that. Can't do that. That crosses the moral law. And and one of the explanations uh, someone asked me one time and. Um, if there is a parent who I minister to their kids and you're listening to this, I'm not telling and I'm not condoning that your kids should get tattoos <laughs> by far. <laughs> that's that's between you and your child that you need to have that discussion. But this is what I, I told my daughters. You know what? If you want to get a tattoo, think about it. You know, that's up to you. You know, but there is, you know, there is no reason why one cannot, um, one cannot paint their skin or get a tattoo because we have women who go to church. They paint their skin. They put on makeup. You know, my sister would never be seen outside of her room <laughs> without her face. Yeah, your sister and I both. We would, I'm the same way. She. I gotta tell you a story. She during the Northridge earthquake. Um, she was going to be interviewed by A Current Affair, that TV show. And uh-huh. they said, we want this to be as realistic as possible. So we were going to do it. They came over and they said, okay, make sure that you come as natural as possible. And my <laughs> my sister said, what do you mean? Says, you can't put on makeup. My sister literally said, well, we're not going to have the interview. Yeah, me too. She's like, no. <laughs> and so here was my sister in that interview. In her pajamas, fully made, her hair was done, and, and someone asked me. One of my coworkers asked me, "Does your sister always look like that?" Always, she always, always she sleeps with makeup on. I'm like, yeah, right. But you'll Same. never see her without that. <laughs> it's just you know. But people paint, you know, put on makeup, you know, you know, like kids paint on their hands, you know, kids write on their arms, whatever, and and so and then. The other thing is is that in getting a tattoo, I think great advice would be um, for people like you, um, the images should not be immoral. The images should mean something. You know, I always tell people, you know, when someone asks me, it's like, well, are you going to put something sexually explicit on there? You know, are you, are you going to put something as two people humping each other? Because that that would, I wouldn't show my mom that. Can you show your mom that? Um, Putting things that are satanic on there as a Christian, 
you know, it no. goes contradictory to to our Christian faith. And then I like to say that you know one should be prudent um, of of what you should put on. I'm gonna I'm gonna share that you know when we were in college, we had a friend who would get tattoos because um, that's what college people do. And he was so in love with his girlfriend, he got her name put on there, Nadia. <clears throat> the year after, guess what? Him and Nadia broke up. He had mm-hmm. Nadia's name on his arm. His girlfriend didn't like it. What do you have to do? It's like, how many times are you going to erase that name? If, you know, So be prudent. Don't try to put your girlfriend's name on there if you know, <laughs> you're not going to last. It's a girlfriend. I actually have my ex-husband's name tattooed under there. Is it still there? Here. <laughs> no, it's becoming a microphone over time. But not even six months after we tattooed each other's names did we like separate. Yeah. So, so, so I never <laughs> So teaching on prudence, you know. And then I consider consider I always say consider the arguments of 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 those people who who don't care for tattoos consider their argument because as you said you have a response how do you respond and do you respond in love or or do you respond just like those people who are judging judging others you know why are you such a hypocrite or why why are you why are you hating on me so having <laughs> yeah ha- having that response to the person so that you can evangelize them to understand that this is not against God. You know, and a lot of times, just like your tattoos, it enhances uh, and it evangelizes. I like to look at this as um, my best explanation for that is when we go to the old churches, you know, people didn't know how to read. And a church is a temple. It's a temple of God. And when we look at the old churches and you look at the pane glass windows and the paintings and the portraits, it tells a story, right? It tells of the story of, of Christ. It shares the gospel. It has pictures of the saints. And we look on there and we can totally learn about our faith. Similar to the tattoo, if the body is the temple of God and you put portraits of our faith on there, tells a story. And just like you, each one of your tattoos has a story of your temple. Each pain, each item that's on there, which I have to say, you gotta show me that on your right arm because I know what it is and I know the story. No, 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 on your forearm right there. No, no, oh, the, no, 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 the, the pig. <laughs> right there, on your right bicep. Nope, pig. right Right bicep, oh, right, right there. Yes. That is my favorite. Like... Right? <laughs> that is my favorite. Now, people yeah. look at that. People look at that and like, why? That looks ugly. Yes. I, when I got it tattooed, people were like, you're such a pretty girl. Why do you have that ugly tattoo? And then I have this side. I have my St. Cecilia <laughs> and like a harp, you know, it's like opposite. So tell us um, why. But, um, My grandpa, when I was little, 
I I know I'm not supposed to, but I love horror movies. I love horror movies. And it's because I know God is real and I know he's stronger than anything. So they don't really scare me, um, but they're entertaining. And so I blame that on my grandpa. We used to watch the Twilight Zone together when we were younger, when I was younger, and used to like tape them. You know, like, I don't know if anybody remembers what tapes are, but we used to tape them. VCR tapes. And um, yeah, he used to have all of them recorded for me. And so when I would go over and spend the night, he would put them on. He'd pop them on for me. And so this was my favorite one for me Beauty too. and the Eye of the Beholder. And I made it a point to put it here on purpose. Um, so that way people would know, like, I mean business. <laughs> and, and it's a beautiful tattoo. I got to say, it's a beautiful tattoo for what, you're, what, what you are evangelizing on. Because beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Now, someone would look at that and doesn't know your story and is like, oh, my gosh, that's super ugly. But it's in, the, <laughs> it's in the eye of the beholder. If you've ever watched that episode of The Twilight Zone, uh, I love that episode because especially during this time when everyone wants to look the same and everyone um, – one of the youth actually um, texted me uh, because uh, you know she's having a hard time with body image. Um, mm-hmm. and. She's asking, you know, all my posts, you know, when when I when when I put it out there, you know, um, does it make me look like a slut? And and you know, I was I was teasing her, and it's like, well, you know what? When I do in the next podcast, I'm gonna do those poses. So <laughs> so you know, you're just gonna see. It's like when you pose, you know, on Instagram, and you're like, <laughs> I'm like, does that make me look like a slut? Am I slutty by putting that? And it's kind of like, yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of awkward, but people do that. But yeah, beauty is true. in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm-hmm. And if everyone looked the same and everyone was like that, then no one would be beautiful. Yeah, everyone I mean, would be the same. And the girl felt like she was living, I mean, when I saw, like, when I was a little girl and I saw the end and I'm like, oh, Papa, she's beautiful. Like, I felt like, you know, I was, she was living in crazy town, you know, like, oh, this woman's living in crazy town. And so when I got this tattooed, I'm like, it's a reminder to me, like, I'm living in crazy town. Like, not everyone's going to be, you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but you have to remember who you are. And for Christians, you know, we are gods. We're God's people. So we're beautiful. I remember Miss Kathleen was saying something about Jesus being handsome. She was like, you know, some people say that Jesus uh, probably was handsome because it drew people in. It drew people into faith. And and I mean, there's something about that that's, I find it true. I mean, there's handsome priests hands, and really handsome, beautiful nuns. Um, so I think that, you know, God does use that for a reason. So Yeah. And I think, I think in, in the sense of your tattoo and, and that image of, you know, beauty is an eye of the beholder. Um, for people who don't meet the stereotypical um, Western feature beauty, there's nothing wrong with 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 that. There's so much beauty in every single person, whether you're brown, whether you're white, whether you're you're Asian, Caucasian, whatever you are, it's beautiful. And it just sometimes it pains me when we have young people who try to put themselves in the image and paint themselves in this image, this self-image of what society um, believes I should look like. A white Jesus, an Asian Jesus, <laughs> a Mexican Jesus, a black Jesus. Just 
Jesus is a pure spirit who became incarnate. So whatever floats your boat, yeah, he's a beautiful God. Um, so I, I just love your tattoos. By the way, if Thank I had you. the courage, if I didn't have that that fear of pain, I'd probably get some more. <laughs> I I know my mom regrets it now taking me when I was younger because I have so many now. But all my tattoos that I've gotten, I've come home and I've shown her. Um, she knows about all of them because <laughs> I have my stomach tattooed as well. And I come home and I'm like, look, mom, I got another one. And she tells me, oh, this one's enough. Stop after this. Stop after this. And I never do. Um, and she always, you know, I think this last time I showed her, I, um, I got something tattooed on my on my thigh. Um, this is Port Vida and it has a cross. And I showed her and she goes, she goes, oh, that's really nice. And she didn't say anything else after that. So I think she's come to the conclusion that I'm not going to stop. Well, she's um, doing that mom thing. It's like if I tell her stop she'll gonna keep going but if i tell her <laughs> not to you know if i don't tell her anything maybe she'll stop on her own it's called reverse <laughs> psychology she's a, she has a psychology degree <laughs> i don't know why she did think of that earlier but it's her fault she took me on i was 18 <laughs> that's awesome so i do have some questions from from some listeners who who did you know some of these questions why do you like tattoos I like them um, because I I don't know they're just nostalgic to me. Um, all the things that I've I've been through in life, all the teachers I've had. I mean, I have Eastern Orthodox Jesus on me because my Latin teacher was Eastern Orthodox. Uh, he was a monk, and um, he was such a huge influence on me that I ended up loving that church. And they have Eastern Orthodox Jesus when you go into his church. His well, let me see that. Let me see. Let me see. There you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, just like memories of different things and, uh, yeah, I don't, I think I love them for the memories, honestly, and protection. Oh, here's another one. Did it hurt? (laughs) I was like, so many people ask that question. Can you ask, did it hurt? Yes, they all hurt. (laughs) hurt. I could answer that. You know, I was asleep and I think I felt it. I even, you know what? I even have um, my face tattooed. I have freckles tattooed on my face. What? So, mm-hmm. How do you do that? My mom has freckles. And so I got them tattooed. You can't see because I have makeup on. I wear makeup a lot like your sister. So, but they're there. They're underneath. That is so weird. And actually, that's not so weird because, you know, I have aunts <laughs> who have their, their eyebrows tattooed. Yeah. My mom has her eyebrows tattooed. So yeah. they, they have their eyebrows. Yeah, that's what it's called. Microblading. Uh, and I'm like, I thought it was microblading as in they were like, like doing threading. And I didn't realize my, you know, that was tattooing the eyebrows. And so for you old ladies <laughs> at church who are like looking down at people with tattoos, look at your eyebrows. <laughs> it's also called a tattoo. My mom has perfect eyebrows. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Every time, right? Yeah. Like she wakes up. Oh, you know, my sister doesn't listen to this podcast, but I could tell you that there was one time where, you know, she forgot to put on her eyebrow. One eyebrow? Yeah. So she walked around and she had like one eyebrow. Like, um, dude, um, you need to go back and look in the mirror. Anyways, but she should get that tattooed eyebrows. You shouldn't have told her that her eyebrow was missing. You should have just let her go throughout the day. Oh, she would have killed me. But anyways, here's here's the here's here's one more. Um, do you regret any of it? No, no, not even my ex's name. Honestly, 
because I don't know. I like I said, I pray during all my tattoos. So that would be like regretting a prayer, you know. <laughs> and it's part of your story. Mm-hmm. It kind of like goes back to what I told um a young person today. I said, "Stop deleting your posts." <laughs> you know, I totally do that too. I, I said, st- st- "Stop stop doing that because stop deleting things because that's your story and when you go back to it, you know, 5, 6, 7 years from now, you're going to remember, oh yeah, that's where I was at. That's where I was at. Um, but that's just me. That's me with 16,000 pictures. <laughs> uh, oh, here's here's one. Um, how did your parents react to you getting the tattoo? Well, my mom took me the first time, so I don't know. I mean, after the first one, um, when I went on my own, I think she was, again, totally okay with it because I got the Apostles' Creed tattooed on me in Latin on the back of me. It says, uh, Credo and Unum Deum for I believe in one God. <laughs> so, I mean, she was fine with that. And wait, then, wait. Not the entire creed, just... Just the beginning. Okay. The beginning. I was like, that. Yeah, no, not the entire creed. No, that would be too long. <laughs> I, I just had this image of, of, you know, confirmation class or a religious education class and your kids don't know it. And so you just wear like a... <laughs> just look at my back. Just let me turn around. Let me just yeah. turn around. Just read it off my back. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not in English, though. Yeah, they have to read. They have to be able to read Latin or Spanish. I mean, they'll know it in Spanish, too. So That's right. But uh, how are things going for you now? Um, this past year was really hard, um, but I made it. I mean, we all made it. Those of us that are here listening, <laughs> we made it. <laughs> um but I mean, before that year, things were very hard. Things were a lot harder because I mean, I was away from my church and mm-hmm. I always felt mad about it. Like, oh, I should be ministering right now. I should be teaching music right now. And my daughter would go to the private school where I would go to and I just wasn't involved anymore. So it's just like, I don't know if the right word is uh, God would haunt me, but God would haunt me like my dreams. I would get certain songs stuck in my head all day, like. Uh, from all the years of music ministry um so yeah I, eventually when i when i came back last year the beginning of last year i felt like a bur- like a burden was like taken off me and i was like doing what i was supposed to be doing and i moved forward uh with everything and i wasn't stuck anymore uh god has this funny way of making us stuck when he when we're not doing what he needs us to do and we're just like stuck in this loop um instead of like listening to him we're doing our own thing and we're just like stuck in this loop um but god took me out of that last year thank god because i couldn't stand it anymore it's like being <laughs> in purgatory um so yeah i feel a lot better now so, I feel like things are moving forward so where are you ministering now and how are you ministering I'm ministering back at my old church and I am helping teach third year confirmation. And oh my goodness, it's so, it's so rewarding because kids are so honest with you, especially high school kids. And I knew that I would love teaching high school kids, not younger kids, because I don't have the patience. I'm sorry, God. But like high school kids, I love them because they're so honest, but they're like also a little bit like older. So you can joke around with them. Not a lot, but a little bit. Um, and so, I don't know, I just, I love teaching them, and I love them teaching me um, about everything, because they're so hip and cool, and I don't right. know, they look up to me. It's, it's so crazy. I'm like, why are you looking up to me? Because you have <laughs> tattoos. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I the, do that, and then I'm, yeah, in school. So. 
And singing. And the singing, I haven't gotten um, able, I haven't been able to sing in our choir again for COVID reasons. But once our church opens up again, yes, I will definitely go back to singing. <laughs> okay. So our listeners out there who are like totally looking, it's like, how can they reach you? For inspiration and just for advice, how can they reach you? My Instagram. My Instagram's the way to reach me. I don't use Facebook. I have Facebook from like 10 years ago. Um, it's like a desert on my Facebook. I don't even know the password anymore to my Facebook. So Instagram is the way to reach me. House of Moral 2.0. That is my Instagram. That is House of Moral 2.0. Look at our description. It'll be on there. It'll be attached to the link. So if you want to check out Marley uh, falling on her butt while doing that <laughs> little thing, and if you want to see her, her beautiful daughter and, and all her life, go check out House of Moral. That's Marley Murrieta um, on there on Instagram. Uh, do you have anything else you want to share to our listeners? Um, I just want to say that you know, we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves, especially because of COVID. But even before COVID, like, don't be so hard on yourself, like in your journey, especially the younger people, um, because everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. You don't have to have so much control and uh, you don't always have to compare your life to the Sims life online. It's not all real. It's a matrix. So just trust God and give your life to God. And he's always going to let you He's always going to lead you in the right way. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> that's right. Thank you for those great words because, you know what, as um, Father Partido uh, from our diocese said, that as as ministers, um, you have a way of, of providing such great opportunities for our youth to live a life of holiness. Um, and I think you're doing that. And for you young listeners out there and for you who aren't so young listeners and for you parents who are listening out there, the opportunities for holiness is endless. From the patron saint, my patron saint, St. Augustine, who was a big, huge sinner, who became a saint. Um, God is ever forgiving, and we ask for his grace to guide us and always lead us back home to him. Marley, thank you for joining us on this podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed um, having you and the words of wisdom that you have. Uh, for you listeners out there who want to um, reach out to her, who are thinking about tattoos, think it over. Then go ask Marley before you ask your mom or dad. On, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> and, um, and tell her what it is that you want and... Um, She'll be completely honest. And she probably won't be like Mr. Arnell, Catholic.dad, who'll tell you you're going to hell. Um, <laughs> by the way, for if there is a parent out there who's listening to this podcast and you're offended by me saying in one of my talks you're going to hell, well, sorry. But things like that are real. And the I also. The biggest lie that he doesn't exist. <laughs> doesn't exist. And also, I am so in love with um, horror movies, which my wife isn't, because guess what? The devil is real. Yes. Evil exists. If evil sure. didn't exist, then why are we doing all this, right? <laughs> yeah. And also, heaven 
exist. And that's the point. So, fam, that's all we have for this episode of the podcast. Thank you, Marley, for, for joining us as usual. We pray this connected. I definitely know for some of you guys who are so interested in tattoos, this definitely connected. But if it didn't, it was Marley's fault, so send comments to her. But if you guys like hard. this podcast, send us your comments at catholic.dad50 at gmail.com or send us a DM on our Instagram. Please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you, you listen to your podcast. Also, um, check us out on our YouTube and give a shout out to Tony Pimentel. Follow him on YouTube because he works so hard in producing our YouTube channel, our episodes on YouTube. So please um Go check it out. Become a subscriber. Um, we would appreciate that. Also, if you want to donate to support this podcast, which 100% of our proceeds goes to supporting youth ministries, young adult ministries who are in need out there, um, consider becoming a Patreon. But as always, we want to tell you to remember to live a life of holiness. We'll be praying for you. Please pray for us. And most importantly, be blessed and be Different points of view and highs and lows. A new perspective everywhere you go. Open up your mind, drown out the noise, and see if this connected. And see if this connected. This Connected Podcast is brought to you by The Cabin. Want to get away and get some peace and quiet and rest? Yes, rest, but not too far away from home or the city? Want to experience a true log cabin feel in the mountains? Well, I have the recommendation for you. The Cabin is a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath that will do just that. With a beautiful wood fireplace lit and a glass of wine, you are sure to relax. With easy access from the main highway, private parking, easy access with stairs to the entrance, fast Wi-Fi, a full-size kitchen, and all the essential amenities will make your stay a memorable experience. This cozy log cabin was built in the early 60s with its original wood fireplace and a newly transformed deck with beautiful views of the San Bernardino Mountains. So, book your stay at the cabin in Running Springs, California. The cabin located in the San Bernardino Mountains, is a beautiful place to see the beauty of God's creation. I have known the proprietor of the cabin for many years. She has always supported the youth and young adult ministries of her community, as well as this podcast. Check out The Cabin on Instagram at thecabin2021. Again, that's at thecabin2021, T-H-E-C-A-B-I-N, 2021.